Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Master Lee has led us in response to leading selected verses from the book of Exodus. And our text today is centered around Moses, whom God called to deliver his people from Egyptian slavery. But God did not put this elaborate, extensive plan into motion just for people of his to be free. His purpose in the ten plagues and all that went along with it to free the Israelites from Egyptian captivity was that they could worship him. A review or a study of the book of Exodus will find that from chapters 4 to 32, there's a theme that God is designing worship the way he wants it. At the heart of this plan given in these chapters is in verse 1 through 17 of chapter 20 known as the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue. The first five verses of the Ten Commandments deal with worship. So I want you to join me as we look at these first five verses and then proceed from there. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. I want to read from the New International Version because I think it brings out the clarity that's necessary for our hearing. Verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words. God spoke all these words. Before he inscribed them on stone, I want you to get this now, he spoke these words. And even though if you look at this, you'll find out that the actual Stone that Moses broke before he even said anything, people, but the people already knew what was on the stone because it said he spoke these words. Verse 2 I am the Lord Yoga who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God did not make any doubts about what he had done and who he was. So he issues some mandates about worship. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. He's not saying it's all right to have them after me. He's saying there is no other gods you need to have. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. I don't think that leaves anything else. You shall not bow down, verse 5 said to them, or worship them. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation 
of those who hate me. And I want you to focus in on that, those who hate me. Because we can tell our love for God by what we do. We can tell our hate for God by what we don't. Let that sink in. God had prescribed exactly how he wanted to be worshipped. Yet in spite, if you have read in the, in the, in the response, in spite of clear directions and instruction, our text finds God's people in willful disobedience. Our textual background is, is, is something that I think will help us to understand. You see, prior to the story of Exodus, God's people really did not know how to worship. At least not correctly, anyway. Why? Because they had been enslaved for 400, and to be exact, Jeff, 430 years. Our Sunday school lesson was hidden all along this this morning. In fact, the only thing that the Israelites knew about worship, or understood about worship, they learned from the Egyptians. And as... Brother Grant was saying this morning in Sunday school, 400 years is a long time. If a generation is 40 years old, just think about it. That's 40 generations. How far removed they were. So you got people being born into Egyptian slavery, and the only way they know to worship is what their parents could teach them, who they soon forgot, and what they seen at the hands of the Egyptians. This background that they experienced may explain why they acted the way they did when they made a man-made God fashioned by Aaron as a calf. You see, the Egyptian chief God was a piss. A piss was a bull. And so to them, that was a figurative, physical specimen of what God was like. So is it any wonder that a calf fit their mindset? Before we get into the text, I want to make this statement. It would be beneficial for us to understand several factors which motivated God's people. And I'm going to say God's people act the way they did. That we may avoid or correct the same mistakes. There are several factors, but I just want us to look at three this morning before we celebrate. Number one, lack of patience. Lack of patience. Exodus 32, chapter, verse 1, rather. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. First mistake. They attributed their deliverance to a man. Moses was a mighty man, but he was only God's vessel. It was by God's hand that they were delivered. 
I want to say that before y'all get to January 19th, when we begin to celebrate some accomplishment by man. If you base your freedom on that holiday you're going to celebrate in January, you probably got a man-made religion. I'll read that again. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. You see, they had placed their faith in Moses, but now Moses ain't there. Neither was their faith. People became impatient when Moses did not return, and I heard this again this morning, to meet their timetable. Before the days. You see, Moses was on God's schedule, not theirs. Moses was up on Mount Sinai in the presence of God, receiving the law, but the people got tired of waiting for his return and became impatient. I'm going to go somewhere over there in a minute. Being impatient often causes us to act irrational. Some people will be talking about biological clocks. And they make irrational decisions. Everybody's getting married but me. So they make irrational decisions. Everybody's got a car, got a house, and we become impatient. Being impatient has been the source of many ill-advised decisions. And such was the case in our text. Aaron, Moses' brother, who knew better, gave in to the people's demand. Watch that young preacher. Gave in to the people's demand and did what the people want and not what God had commanded. And I say that to a lot of time because I'm thankful that God called me the pastor when he did. I was just old enough not to worry about what people think. So Aaron said, give me your gold jewelry, which he used to make a golden calf. This is where I said I was going to go somewhere with this. Impatient. You telling me after 40 days you got impatient? After you had been enslaved for 430 years? You going to get impatient on 40 days? We going to have to learn to wait on God. He ain't on our timetable. So the first thing that we need to look at factor is lack of patience. But there's a second one that may even be more prevalent than the first one. And that is desire to please our flesh. Verse 5. 
When Aaron saw this, he built an altar. What did he see? He saw the golden calf that he had fashioned with his hand. The Bible says they used a graving tool. When Moses challenged it by, he said, I just threw it in the fire and it came out. He lied. But when he saw it, he really was proud of what he had made. So he built an altar in front of it, an altar the place where you come and worship God. In front of the calf, and then he made this pronouncement. And this is the whole issue. Tomorrow there will be a festival. If he had stopped there, it would have been all right. But he said, to the Lord. To the Lord. Now the Hebrew word for festival is, is often translated as a solemn gathering of people in worship. The purpose of this assembly or this gathering is to present sacrifices unto God. This festival included two types of sacrifices. First was a burnt offering, which was given because you've sinned and you, you tried to atone for those sins. But the second one was a fellowship offering, which was a peace offering in gratitude for all God had done. So here we are, these people, fresh from the Red Sea, seeing how God had moved. They wanted to do something to honor God for deliverance from Egypt. But the problem was they were attributing the mighty works of God to a man-made idol, the golden clad. You know what the sad part about this is? They believed they were doing the right thing and they believed that God was going to be pleased with their self-induced worship. You think that bad? It even got worse. Verse 6. So the next day, the people rose up early and sacrificed a burnt offering and presented their fellowship offering. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and then they got up to indulge in rivalry. King James rendered this word indulge to play. The literal meaning of the word is to laugh with exuberance. But the word is often used in a negative connotation. Sometimes the word has a strong sexual overtone. This is more likely the case in this verse the NIV uses this word reverie, which means to party. So I want you to picture this. They, 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 they went to this festival. They got up early in the morning to sacrifice, sacrifice unto the Lord. Then after that they ate, sitting down, and they got up to indulge in rivalry. Hmm, rose up, sat down, got up. 
I was sharing with the deacon this morning. I asked them what they were going to be doing on the 4th. And uh, I told them what I was going to be doing. I was going to go up to Atlanta to uh, my brother-in-law's place. And we're going to have our family 4th of July thing. But I was sharing with them that in the past, they loved to see me come early in the morning. Because they were waiting on me to leave so they could partake. I even happen this at weddings. I don't do receptions because it's the same way. They want me to come to reception and bless everything, but they want me to leave early so they can partake. What they end up doing was having an orgy. But they came to worship. So what do we have? Lack of patience, desire to plead the flesh, and third, direct, willful disobedience. Look at verse 7 with me. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go down because your people, whom you brought, now, this is a little sarcasm here. God, God's got sent to who you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods. Who brought you out of Egypt. The people didn't take God serious. And there's a lot of that going on. We really don't take God serious. Don't take his word serious. They did not believe that God meant exactly what he said. How often do we try to justify certain parts of God's word. To make us feel good. Like loving and doing good to your enemy or turning the other cheek. We try to make this sound like something that is not. Jesus meant exactly what he said. We just got to admit we fall short. This was a deviation from previous instruction given. I want to go back to chapter 20, verse 23. He's already told them something earlier in verse 4 and 5. But in verse 23, he said, Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or gods of gold. This disobedient angered God. The people gave reverence to a man-made idol Due to Yahweh alone. The phrase, these are your gods, is something that God took seriously. It hurt him. It provoked him to wrath. I, I love the poetic 
the way that the King James put this phrase. He said, these be your gods. For some of us might not be proper English, but it makes perfect sense to me because I ain't perfect in my English either. Some of you know that from my emails. These be your gods. Let me tell you something. If God is not your first priority, because you got some other thing you consider more important, these be your gods. Now, a lot of us think, well, okay, we got, we, we, we God's first in my life. So, let me close with these, these thoughts. If you would rather sleep in than assemble for worship on Sunday, these be your gods. If you would rather wash your car than come to worship, these be your gods. If you spend more time on Facebook and it ain't about God than in God's word, these be your gods. Somebody ought to say out right there. If you look for any and every kind of excuse for not coming to faith development on Wednesdays and Sunday morning, these be your gods. If you panic because you lost your cell phone but not concerned about losing your soul, these be your gods. How are we going to apply this, Pastor? Well, getting back to the scriptures, Exodus 32, 9 to 14, help us to apply this, but it also connected the message with what we're doing today. God was so displeased with the people attributing, attributing their success to these man-made gods. He told Moses, leave me alone. I don't even want you to, to be around me. I, I'm, I'm going to deal with these people. I'm going to destroy every last one of them. I'm going to raise a new nation through you. Let me read to you. Verses 30-32. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. But now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. This is confession, though. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. This is repentance. But if not, block me out of your book you have written. Moses' desire to sacrifice his own life for his people is a picture of Jesus' sacrifice for us. This is what the Lord's Supper is all about. But God denied Moses' request, telling him that everyone must pay for their own sin. This included Moses. Moses had some issues he had to deal with. He had to account for his own sin. This made Moses ineligible 
to atone for anybody else. Jesus. Sweet Jesus. However, is eligible. He who know, knew no sin took on sin for us. He died for your sin and God accepted his sacrifice. But now it's your turn. Your turn. You must accept his sacrifice for the payment of sin. Moses confessed his sin, asked for forgiveness. And each of you, if you haven't already, you must do the same. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.